0: Hello, and welcome to our Road to Desert Rain series here at Desert Rain Community Radio. Today, I will be sitting down and talking with Birgit West, her time growing up in Germany, and uh, her travels throughout Europe and internationally, and eventually uh, through a missionary school, through the vineyard. Uh, Land here in El Paso, Texas, and some of her time here, and eventually landing at Desert Rain. But before we get into that, uh, thank you to Diego at Recording Moving Studios for all the editing and sound engineering that he has done on our project. Uh, Thank you to David and Danny West. That's the music you hear in the background, and Birgit is actually their mother. Uh, Thank you. Or if you want to learn more about Desert Rain community in general, uh, go to theruin.com. Lots of information there. For other podcasts, check out drcrpod.com. You can find past episodes of Road to Desert Rain, as well as Dispatches uh, from The Verge, conversations with David and I, and um, F- and since last week. Other people will join us as well for those ones. Uh, If you enjoy what you're hearing, please tell a friend. Word of mouth and social media helps us out a lot. We appreciate you, and let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio, Road to Desert Rain. How are you doing today? I'm here with Birgit West. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing good. Uh, so today we're going to jump in and and have a conversation with with Birgit about her her road to Desert Rain. And um, you're the first person I think on the podcast born and raised in another country. That may well. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think so. There's one other person. Involved in the community. that
1: hasn't done But she's boycotting
0: yet. us. You know who I'm talking about. We know
1: who you are. You know who. <laughs>
0: um, just playing. Uh, so, yeah. So, tell us uh, tell us about your life. early life in Germany and uh, where it started. And okay. we'll go from there. So,
1: I was born in the very late 60s. So, I was a kid in the 70s and a teenager in the 80s in Germany. So the in Germany in the eighties, it was it was very much um, like we were very influenced by the the United States. It was like during okay. the Cold War, so we made a statement: we are Western.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> with clothing, with
1: clothing, movies, music. Mm. In fact, I remember as a kid, there was hardly any German music out. It was all English music. It was all coming straight from England or from America? So
0: was it like? Uh, like popular music? Yeah, like yeah. you
1: know, it would be like Queen and the Rolling Stones and mm-hmm. the Beatles and but it was very much I don't remember a whole lot of German generic music. Okay. That was pop music. There was a few, and then the, the you know, when the new wave, like the, the and there was a German new wave coming oh, in the like okay. mid eighties and stuff. But so yeah, the society was very the youth was very kind of anything goes, you know, there wasn't like the rules and morals were kind of Iffy, you know, like I remember in high school, everybody slept with everybody kind of thing, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which we thought came from America. And then moving to America, it's like they thought Europe was like that, you know? So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I guess we thought Hollywood is America, you know? So right. we saw all the, you know, anything goes kind of thing. But so high school was a lot like that. People disrespected their parents, they hated school, you know, mm. it was like this whole, um, you know, it wasn't aware of a whole of, lot of drug use, but maybe I was just so naive and blind, I, didn't, yeah. I wasn't aware, you know. But so my personal home, my family, they were church-going people, mm-hmm. but compared to most of my friends, we were an exception. Like most people did not go to church on Sundays. Interesting. So we were like... What but the,
0: denomination did you grow up in? Uh,
1: Lutheran. So okay. in the, whole, the whole, we were a small town of 20,000 people, roughly oh, outside wow. of Nuremberg. Which is half a million. It's about like El Paso. You know, Nuremberg is equivalent in size. Okay. How or far? How
0: far from Nuremberg were you? Ten
1: miles. So like okay, people so would, uh, you know, commute to school and work mm-hmm. to Nuremberg, and that's my the bigger town. Yeah. It's the second biggest one in Bavaria after Munich. So Munich, Nuremberg. You know. So um, so we were going to church, but most of my friends didn't. Okay but i as far as i as long as i could remember i was believing in god i knew there was a god
0: did you so you felt pretty connected to the church growing up
1: yeah i mean it was a traditional church so it was more like you go on sunday morning but it didn't really affect your life the rest of the mm-hmm. week kind of thing and my view of god at the time was like he is up in the heavens, I believed mm-hmm. he existed, you know. But he was watching us, he gave us a bunch of rules to follow, but didn't really give us the means to follow them. The almost kind of, like
0: a, I we I refer to that almost as like a Santa Claus God,
1: yeah, yeah, he was so, making his list of good, yes. Good and if you were good, he was smiling, <laughs> and if you screwed up, he was very, very mad, okay. you know, yeah, kind of thing. And I realized later, a lot of it, my view of God also came from my relationship with my dad which was not warm and fuzzy but he wasn't mean he was just hardworking. he didn't have a lot of time for his kids you know and there was also big age difference he was like in his 40s when I was born okay. so there was like a generational gap mm-hmm. him and my mom it's a bigger age difference so my mom was like in her early 30s when I was born mm. and he was in his 40s
0: right
1: and in addition to that, he was World War Two generation. So. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> the, so he, there was he'd like he
0: been toughened by the yes, and he was like, "Why war. do you,
1: you, young whippersnappers, need a car? <laughs> you know, I didn't. I, you know, I saved fifty cents a week and bought myself a camera. And every my my friends were smoking cigarettes, <laughs> and if you used just, you know, that kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he didn't understand like us kids in the eighties. It was very hard for him to understand. So there was a was a bit of a Generation gap there yeah. for sure, and he was so hardworking, not very relational. He would let us know if we did something wrong, but he didn't like he didn't like wake up in the morning. You look beautiful. That was just not in his yeah. vocabulary, you know. There's probably a lot of people in my generation growing up with dads like that. You know, it was just
0: yeah, and I think it's that sort of like you were saying that World War II
1: yeah
0: generation was just you know they they went through different stuff than
1: right, and he what was probably. Um, he was thinking, they know I love them by providing for them. I work so hard Mm. every day, you know. I don't Mm -hmm. need to tell them. But he would not be the kind that said, I really love you. You look Mm -hmm. beautiful, you know. And then he was one out of four brothers and probably having a daughter kind of freaked him out too, you know. (laughs) It's like, how do I do that? So so I did not have that thing of I'm my daddy's princess kind of mindset. It was more like I thought I did something wrong. There's something wrong with me and he never told me anything nice about me you mm-hmm. know so I interpreted that as rejection and that kind of was a a theme in my growing up years like I would always trying like I felt like I I didn't know who I was I didn't know what's really me so I always try to please and say the right thing so somebody mm-hmm. would affirm me if it yeah. was friendship groups or you know I didn't go like you know I didn't go the route of like hanging out with guys and doing stupid stuff to get my daddy fixed right, you know right, not right, that right. But it, like in a social setting, I would always like want to... How do I fit in? What do I need to say so that mm, people like me, you know? That's
0: so interesting. Yeah. So there was
1: like a deficit of affirmation that I tried to be get filled by.
0: And did you notice that at the time?
1: I think, you know, like as a kid, you're kind of unselfconscious. But yeah. as soon as you hit middle school and social setting with teenagers, you kind of try to belong and fit in. And I just didn't know how to do that at all. Yeah. Like. And I, I I remember it's like, I just don't know how to do life, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> and it's funny because I felt a very similar way. So I think that not knowing how to fit in, for some people, was very typical in those teenage years. But for me, I don't think I noticed it. I think I noticed it retrospectively.
1: Yeah. No, I was very it, it aware. Really, okay. It was like, well, I will never be in the in crowd. I'm obviously not popular. And I was never like the typical... Like super skinny girl either. So yeah. I was aware I was a little heavier, and so I just kind of I will just never get married. You know, it's nobody will like.
0: <laughs> like I'm, I'm just <laughs> yeah. I'm resigned to a life of unpopularity.
1: And, yes, I may <sighs> end up in a mental institution because I just can't figure out life. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: <laughs> so Yeah, I, it so. would be so interesting to like to catch people like in because yeah, I, I know. So my. My solution for that, not knowing how to do life, quote unquote, uh, was drinking. Yeah. I fell into drinking. And see, and that I was, was like too, that was my cure.
1: I was too I was trying to please, you know, I was trying to oh, please yeah, yeah, for yeah. affirmation. So I was not gonna go down the route of self-destruction or right. like even like you know, people would come to our school and talk to us about drugs and stuff. And I thought I will never do that. Mm-hmm. And I would just you know, that'll just make my life worse. So I had enough kind of That's sense to, I'd rather die kind
0: of thing. I'd rather go to the <laughs> mentalist
1: too. <laughs> <Locking> <laughs> so I, I was not going to do that. And I was not going to, I had no not enough confidence to really even get with boys or guys, mm-hmm. you know. So I was just, well, whatever. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But then... And I guess that comes in. Where where does the spirituality come in? Where did Jesus come in for Mm -hmm. you? So it was about um, 1984. The best year for music worldwide.
0: (laughs) Well, I was gonna. If it was 83, that would be the best year for for people that were born. Yeah, that's what year I was (laughs) born.
1: (laughs) No, 84 was like a good year for music. Yeah, but. So we were like just trotting along in the Lutheran church, you know, Mm -hmm. going every Sunday. And then my parents, I guess, had gone to a Bible study that somebody started in the Lutheran church. And they were pretty committed. It was like a home fellowship group Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Right. And they had heard about like a traveling group of evangelists holding tent meetings Mm -hmm. in the area, which was very unusual because we had never gone to anything outside the Lutheran church Mm -hmm. because it was very... There's Lutheran and Catholic, and that was about it, and everything else was very suspicious like mm. you you trust the state church, but anything that's not that was considered like a cult or
0: something okay. you know? did you it's and very, I'm assuming your parents grew up Lutheran, yeah Just both. and in, I guess
1: in Germany, like if the you know that it it could be mainly Catholic or mainly Lutheran, depending on who was like the the ruler of that mm. town at the time, you know, but it was one or the other
0: mm-hmm.
1: pretty much and you know i said the, the society wasn't very religious but everybody would send the kid to confirmation or to communion go classes through. so it was just a cultural thing yeah. more than a a faith thing kind of thing
0: yeah so the so, so the tent revival
1: the, so the tent revival people came through town they went through the Lutheran church leadership and so they kind of okayed it and that mm. guy in the home fellowship group invited us to go and so And just a little background, who these people were, they were like a group from Denmark that thought it was their call to travel with a caravan, with tractor and trailers and kind of mobile homes. Like like a
0: circus?
1: (laughs) Yeah, really, like a circus. (laughs) And they thought they need to go to Jerusalem, so they were called pilgrims Uh. to Jerusalem. But they would, like, take little stops on Mm -hmm. the way and felt like God was telling them to... Because, see, this was 84. In 85, it was 50 years since laws in Germany, in Nuremberg, were made against the Jews, which led to the Holocaust. Right. So they felt like, okay, it's 50 years. They felt like from God, um, it's the year of Jubilee, which means all the sins are forgiven and a new mm. time is starting. So they felt like there's a new time for Germany. You know, it's yeah. time to forgive and God is releasing something new. So they mm-hmm. felt like, you know, kind of like Joshua walked around Jericho for a year and the walls of Jericho came down. So they felt like, They were going to travel around Nuremberg for a year. And at the end of that, on the anniversary of those laws being made, it was September 15th, 1935. So on September 15th, 1985, they were going to do a big celebration Mm -hmm. in the field where Hitler was holding his rallies. So it was pretty, (laughs) you know, so they gathered people and they did like a performance. Yeah, of like the story of Esther, because, you know, in the Bible, she was saving the Jewish people from Mm -hmm. being. You know, murdered. You know, so that was the background. We had no clue that this all was unfolding. Right, right. You we just were just going to meet traveling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, but and that this was,
0: was this was in '84. That it was you, in so the was summer of '84. Yeah. yeah okay. So they were
1: going. They just started this okay. year round, and they were going from one village around Nuremberg, and mm-hmm. then at the end they were going to Nuremberg, holding this big
0: rally thing yeah. um
1: on the day of the anniversary of 50 years. So, so it was a pretty big big deal and there's a lot of people that we still are in contact with that we met during that time. So, That's so
0: interesting. Yeah. So what was so, that like for you?
1: So we went to the meetings and that was like the first time we heard about personal relationship with mm-hmm. Jesus the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. speaking in tongues. So it was kind of like a charismatic renewal but we had never even heard the word charismatic before, right. you know? That was so outside <laughs> like, of your... Yeah, we were like going to church singing our hymnals and, yeah. you know. <laughs> <That's>
0: not, <laughs> so I grew up in the Catholic church. So that that's yeah. the idea of church that I grew up with too.
1: Yeah, and so yeah. They, they had like people up front with guitars and they're singing like... So a lot of songs from the 70s mm. uh, revival from mm-hmm. the US that were translated into German because that's all they had, you know. There was no... Movement yet, right, in the late 70s, early 80s. So, they just sang songs from like other countries translated. Mm. So, and they would always call people up front if you want to give your life to Jesus, yeah. you know, to be born again and all that stuff. And I mean, I felt it, you know, I felt the heart That's bumping, amazing. and it was like, and my whole family came, my mom and dad, and they were all there, and they were, it was just something fresh and new, and mm. they were willing to check it out, you know, and they, so we got like. I don't. I don't remember if we all, but eventually all of us at some point went up front, knelt down. You know,
0: <laughs> did the Jesus re- prayer. Did the
1: prayer. Yeah. And and sometimes I'm, I make fun of that now, like the the, the prayer, whatever. But it was real at the time for me. Of course. Me. You know, it was yeah. like uh, I felt it. I felt like a, a presence. You know, I felt mm-hmm. a hand on my head. And the next the next morning, things were different. It was almost like the the world was black and white before. Wow. And now it's in color. <laughs> and it's like when
0: Dorothy opens up the door, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you go into Oz. Yeah. And
1: there's like, uh, I, I just the the one thing I remember is like I could see, you know how I'm the way, the truth, and the mm-hmm. life. Like mm-hmm. life was like in the trees, life was in the wall, in the dog that walked by, life was in the little kid, and I saw God everywhere. I thought this is sacred life. Everywhere, you know, this is God's life, you know. Which is true.
0: Yeah. But we we we. Can, but nobody yeah.
1: explained that to me. It was like I just and I and, and I could ma- I would get mad at my mom, and she would like yell at the driver and say, "You idiot, you cut me off!" Like, <laughs> no, he's a person that God loves, you know. <laughs> That's he God's child, carries mom, <laughs> he carries out. the love of the life of God. So yeah, so then that was like this, you know, honeymoon thing. I felt loved. I felt mm-hmm. accepted and. And stuff. So these people, you know, they did the And how thing. old were you when that happened? 15. Okay. Yeah, it was in... I used to remember the exact day. It was in July of
0: 1984 when Beautiful. that happened.
1: So, and then it our was, whole family... We can family. just say it's
0: July 4th. It was your Independence Day.
1: It was my Independence <laughs> Day. I can't remember when it was. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote it down somewhere. But so the whole family, we were all like... Uh, Sucked in sounds bad, but we were like all drawn into this and we would follow yeah. them around when they left the place and went mm-hmm. to another place. Who would, and then there was a, f- a fellowship growing from people that also followed them around, yeah, right. you know. And so we would, I think we, then in the Lutheran church, now the most of the Lutheran church thought this was kind of questionable.
0: It was suspect. Yeah. There was like
1: one pastor that embraced it, but I think there was four pastors and three of them probably were kind of, you've got to be careful with this. But there was Mm -hmm. a group group of us and we started like a, um, it was a Saturday night prayer meeting where we were just like, I had also just learned how to play guitar. And so my brother and I would like play those new songs that we had learned oh, yeah, yeah. and lots of people would come and we'll just pray for the area, pray for like revival and
0: stuff. And were you still going to the Lutheran church? church yeah, that was all I Sunday had really morning?
1: except for that uh, tent meetings. Yeah. That was all we had. But okay. there was definitely a group growing
0: mm-hmm.
1: that was like seeking renewal and seeking yeah. the uh, the new stuff. So there was drawn, mainly drawn young, young people. That. And so we would do these. But I think the prayer service was only once a month. Okay. And then I still had my youth group in the church, which was also a hopeful place because it was, I didn't feel like I felt at school there. It felt like I belonged
0: Mm. and,
1: you know, and the other kids. would just be a little bit more yourself. Yeah, exactly. And there was friendships
0: there and stuff. So how did you end up in the United States? Okay. So when I was 19. Because it was also (laughs) connected to your your spiritual walk right yeah so beliefs.
1: yeah so there's a, a few years in between so when I was 19 much like Stacy from last podcast I joined YWAM the youth with a mission oh, thing oh nice at 19 but I did see I was so high school ended and I went to language schools so I was always interested in def- different cultures different mm-hmm. languages so language arts music that was like my gifting
0: mm-hmm.
1: math and science not so you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> like just leave <three> those <laughs> to the
1: side. So, um, so I wanted to go somewhere abroad after high school, like doing, taking that year yeah. out kind of thing. Of course, and um, wanted to do something Christian, you know, something missional, something purposeful. Not just mm. you know, go somewhere as an au pair girl or something. Out. So um, I had heard about Youth with the Mission because they were the ones that translated a lot of the songs from English to German. So they oh. they issued some songbooks. So we were singing out of those, and okay. I found out about them. So, I heard about the DTS thing, Discipleship Training School. Mm -hmm. And so I applied. I think I applied to Switzerland, I applied to France, and to London. Like, I just thought, whoever. Yeah, whichever one you hear back from. So, the London one, they had just started an inner city London one. They had one out in the country. And so, the inner city, it was brand new um so that was really attractive to me I thought I would love to live in the middle of London you know and just do the inner city thing so I mean London's just a
0: cool city anyway right
1: so we were like right in Leicester Square I don't know if you've ever been to London yeah right behind one of those big hotel buildings that was our our headquarters where we met for so that's um, where you
0: ended up going yeah that's awesome
1: and there was a guy the leader was from Sweden and then 15 students from 10 different countries and that was like so cool to me. I was like, Yeah, oh, it's different. It's cool to be yeah. right now. I was like, oh, I sign <laughs> right. up
0: for that. Well, so, um, and how? And was it a year long program?
1: It was three months of the lecture phase, okay. and then three months of outreach. And the outreach. And see, it was funny because the the European schools they were supposed to stay in Europe. Remember, Stacy said like, you may go and do outreach as wide right where you are, or mm-hmm, you may mm-hmm. go to other countries and. So our leader felt like Mexico City was the place where he was supposed to go, go, even though the European schools were supposed to stay in Europe. But he felt like, I really feel like God is wanting me to go to Mexico City. So he submitted it to the leadership. They said, okay, okay. So wow. we ended up going to Mexico City. <laughs>
0: wow. Yeah, so That's that was incredible. that was
1: amazing. So I was 19, first time, transatlantic flight kind of thing. And how long and were you in
0: Mexico City?
1: Five weeks or six weeks. So okay. it was like really impressive. Like you look out the windows of the plane and all around lights. <laughs> it was like 20 million people at the time, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mexico so, City I yeah. Mean, was huge then and, and still is. Yeah.
1: So we did that for five weeks, just kind of serving the local church, like holding little meetings, helping like with kids programs and stuff, just kind of plugging into what the local church was doing already Mm kind of thing. Coming
0: alongside them. Yeah. And then... Did you know Spanish?
1: I did. I did one year of Spanish at the language school, which was... There's a lot of things like that in my life, kind of where first time they're doing this Spanish class. So I sign up for that. And then the first time they're doing this inner city London London. you know so it's like yeah sure I'll sign up for Spanish then finding out later you know go to Mexico City and I'm living at the border. So it's kind of...
0: <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's unbelievable. Little
1: guidance, you know.
0: And then so uh, so you had the Mexico City experience and then did you go back to London or did you And go then there to was Germany? a little
1: small outreach. They had an op- optional thing that went to uh, Grenada and Trinidad in the Caribbean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which was hard to raise funds for because it's like, sure, you're going on an outreach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: They're like, wait, where are you going <laughs>
1: exactly? You just need a vacation, <laughs> don't you? But...
0: <laughs> Well, especially because a lot of people, I didn't realize how <laughs> how much of a draw the Caribbean is for Europeans.
1: Yes, exactly. And so, yeah, I could but, see you people know, to, looking
0: side eye to you. And just like, to
1: to to explain, we slept on the floor, which was hard floor.
0: Well, we no, no, no we didn't. I, say, have I, I wasn't <laughs> accusing you. I just <laughs> no, I, no, no, That was a side note of, of no, I, I, I just, didn't realize <laughs> what a, what a draw that was. <laughs> no, and I so always I have could to. Imagine Trying to raise funds for that. Right. Going to in front of your church and be like, Right, Please. before the
1: trip, because you don't know what it's and yeah. After the trip, I always tell them, well, it was also kind of tough.
0: <laughs> so what was, so what, yeah, I would be interested in so, what was that like?
1: Yeah, so that was very cool. I mean, it was just interesting seeing different cultures. And it was, I really, I always say I recommend that to any teenager to spend mm-hmm. half a year in a totally different culture. It just totally. And
0: it how long you, were like, you there?
1: 19. And how long
0: were you in? Oh, how long? Two months. Two months.
1: And then I went back to London and decided to stay on staff with YWAM for three years in London. So I was like um, the school administrator and bookkeeper for the mm. DTSs, for the discipleship training schools. Very cool. So, and we moved from the inner city then out near where the Tower Bridge is. It's still very cool because it's on Tower Bridge. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. But I, I, yeah, I really, really enjoyed those years in London. It was like... So after, you know, after the 10 revival thing, everything kind of went back to normal. But so I was, uh, I had found Jesus, but there wasn't anything really to lead me any further. I I Mm. still had my feelings of rejection and I still had my feelings and not really the tools how to deal with that, you know because they had moved on and we were back in the Lutheran church. Yeah. And they there went wasn't, to
0: Jerusalem. So it was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you guys later. We got, <laughs> we got more praying to do.
1: So kind of that discipleship training school was just the right thing to kind of, okay. So now let's unpack all this. Let's see where, because a lot of, I don't know if you're familiar with the term like inner healing, like that was like a mm. phrase, like the things that are, that have wounded you, that you, you know, you inner demons, basically, mm. you like let's figure out what where they come What's from let's pray f- pray for you, you know, and a lot of the things were father issues for a lot mm. of people, you know like how how do you view God because of your earthly father and stuff so there was a lot of tears and a lot mm. of crying and prayer and stuff but i I felt like that was like my my um kind of discipleship i mean literally a discipleship class for how to do life. <laughs> yeah. And at the same time, we were like with, um, we were plugged into a local Anglican church there, which was also renewed. And we were attending like a small group there from the church with some people from YWAM, but also local people from the church. So,
0: So was that more, I'm not real familiar with the Anglican church was that more was that closer to the Lutheran background you had or more? I think it's
1: kind of a mix. okay. I didn't really get a lot of the tradition because the evening service that we went to no, we went yeah. Evening church that we went to was kind of a renewed, so it was much like mm. that prayer service that we had right. started. Very people nice. up front with a band and somebody would preach, and it was mainly young people like in their early 20s you okay. know, that would go like college kind of. So we had a good French friendship, and it was a good training ground, kind people where I finally started learning to relate to people mm. and come to more of a place of like self-acceptance and all of that. Um, so you really
0: felt like you you met your your people. So yeah, to speak. it
1: was like a, but it, it was tough too because mm-hmm. like I still didn't really know how to talk, especially to guys. I was so frightened, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of them, and they were friendly and kind, you know. So it was like a lot of like learning. I was like doing a lot of. I remember like coming to like a place like I just need to figure out how to be a normal person around people because <laughs> I was so shy and so. I hated, like, social settings, mm-hmm. you know. So um, I read a lot of books, like, self-help books kind of thing. Christian-based, usually. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so funny because I would
0: not... If anyone asked me to describe you, shy would not be one of the worst. <laughs> yeah,
1: but I was, like, extremely... I would, like, avoid people. I would, like, always feel like... In a group setting, I would always feel, like, judged by all the faces. You know, Mm -hmm. like, there was just not a place inside me that I called home that Mm -hmm. I was Mm -hmm. comfortable with. And it's like, this is who I am. I'm loved. You know, that was just not there. Yeah. It was still kind of hopping around trying to, what do I need to say to be accepted? Mm -hmm. So that was still Mm -hmm. a thing, you know.
0: Well, it's funny, too, because you said a few minutes ago um, wanting to become normal or trying to be normal. Mm. and I, I can remember having those thoughts too and as I've gotten on and maybe you can speak to this for a few minutes but being trying to be normal versus trying to find out who you are are two different things
1: exactly yeah and so so I've I hated myself so much in mm-hmm. a way so it was like hatred of myself thinking that I'm no good because I never got that affirmation as a mm. child so there was no value there. To affirm
0: myself, Mm -hmm. you know? I
1: thought, well, the reason my dad didn't affirm me or whatever is because there's something not right with me. So Mm. I'm going to reject that too. And I'm going to try to be something else that's lovable. But of course, you can never really get there unless you finally befriend yourself. And that's like a long journey that I probably learned at Desert (laughs) Rain. Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's
0: that's the journey that I'm on today. But I was
1: so hunting Mm -hmm. That, whatever it is to finally be lovable and acceptable, not realizing that you can't bypass really accepting yourself, right? Well, you can't deny
0: yourself and get the affirmation. So it was almost a more
1: right yeah it was almost the more i tried to be something else that i thought was acceptable like i would see people it's like they are so cool you know Mm. let's try to be more like them and then the more you do that the less you become who you Mm -hmm. really are and (laughs) then they reject you and then it's worse than it was before (laughs)
0: yeah yeah
1: so so that was like it's i mean it's still a journey now you know of course i think
0: i think it's an ongoing yeah that's just part of the life journey but so like I was I was very
1: socially unfunctional even in those days of yeah. living in England. But they were all very kind and sweet, and um, you know, so we had a home fellowship group there, and it was it was a good place to learn that, you know, let's say.
0: Well, it sounded so, like a, a beautiful stepping stone in your life.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the I look back to those years in England like my precious treasure <laughs>
0: nice. that's really amazing and
1: then uh sunday mornings which is kind of the bridge that led me to come to el paso we found a vineyard church in london
0: oh.
1: that we really liked and they were meeting in a school and it was very organic and actually it was a toot there was two of them one that met in a pub and then later we were going to the what's called the southwest london vineyard and they it was just a really cool group of people to very mm-hmm. relational, very unreligious kind of thing, and that was always attracting me, like the authenticity and mm-hmm. the um not and being how religious. long did you
0: go to that vineyard?
1: Probably about I would say two or three years. So I was in London from eighty eight to ninety two Okay. And probably the last two or three years or something.
0: So you started at the Anglican church. Yeah. And then eventually. And
1: we actually did both. We went okay. to the evening service in the Anglican church and the vineyard in the morning. So you And had there was community. a group of us that went to both. Very cool. Yeah. But I fell in love with the vineyard there, which is then. So then I left London in 92 because my time was up. And, you know, the whole time I was there, I was like. Volunteering my time, so it was living off support from friends and family. So that right. can only last so long. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before you wear out, you're help. welcome.
0: So, was it a financial thing that you had to leave, or was it like a visa thing? That no, it was, came up? I think
1: it was, since it was, I don't know, it seemed like it was never a visa thing okay. because of the European Union thing. But oh, England, right, 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 yeah. I don't, I, I'm not sure. I, it was never a visa thing, but mm-hmm. it was more like a, okay, so now I'm 20, how old was I, 23 mm-hmm. when I'm done. So now I'm like, what do I do with my life kind of thing?
0: Yeah, quote unquote what should start it, real like, life. It's like, yeah,
1: let's, let's do, <laughs> let's get a job, you know, <laughs> can't do this forever. But, um, so I went back to Germany, but um, started working with a temp temping agency because okay. I never felt like I really wanted to put my roots down very deep. I always kind of felt like eventually I would probably do something missions again or move somewhere else or something so you didn't want
0: to put your roots down deep in general or specifically in in Germany
1: specifically my hometown I think I felt like this is temporary I want to probably eventually do something missions again yeah so so this is now 93 through 95 this time period of like just working at a temping agency being involved in a word of faith church plan which did not go so well and realizing at the time i wasn't real i didn't realize at the time it was a word of faith church but the more i got into it i was like and what does that don't... mean exactly oh it's like that uh, i think who was boot was talking about it with the abundant living faith center here uh-huh. it's kind of that uh name it claim it kind of thing oh, like okay. um, yeah, 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 yeah. we okay. confess That uh, life is good and life is good, Mm -hmm. you know, and like if something don't doesn't work out, you feel like you did something wrong. Because if you you do A, B, and C, what life will work out good. It's like
0: the positive thinking in the new age type stuff yeah a lot and there's probably like
1: you know I think Cole actually said that in his that it was just the right thing for him for a time Right. and there's probably people who really need that for a time but the more I got into it was a very small group of people Mm -hmm. the more I realized this is not my this is not authentic this is not like you would say something I am having a really bad day no in the name of Jesus I pray you know you're not having a bad
0: day you're actually having a great day
1: (laughs) take it back you can't say that you're confessing Negative things, you know, and that, and it felt like very inauthentic to me and it killed me. And so it's like, I can't and you felt this. like
0: you could be authentic
1: in the Vineyard Church, in the or Vineyard, the, yeah. in the
0: Anglican Church. But the I realized
1: that this, but we were very involved, like we were part of the committee that set mm-hmm. up the church council and everything. So, but then that finally um, folded mm-hmm. because people didn't show up. And so that was like in 94. And then ninety five is when I've got the itch again to do something mm-hmm. for mission. So I, I've again put like several feelers out. I like the vineyard, so I thought, I wonder if there's a vineyard church somewhere in the U.S. or somewhere in the world that does outreach to Mexico. So mm-hmm. I wrote to the headquarters in Anaheim, said, "Is there a vineyard church somewhere that does a uh, outreaches to Mexico?" Because I I felt a pull to go back to Latin America, you know, or Central America. Mm-hmm. From Just, that outreach yeah, that yeah. we did in Mexico City. Okay. Oh, yeah. And a year later, actually, while I was on staff, we went to Guatemala on an oh, outreach. Wow. So that was amazing. And how long so were you in Guatemala? That was um, about a month. And then I took a team of the local church, the Anglican mm-hmm. church, back to that orphanage in Antigua, Guatemala. And we helped, like, for five weeks to build homes or something. Wow. So there was like a small group of us going back to that same orphanage. So that was amazing. So I always knew like that's part of the world is dear to my heart, Mm -hmm. you know. So that's why I wrote the letter and said, is there somewhere that does an outreach to Mexico and is a vineyard church, you know, and then they sent me the, oh, the El Paso vineyard is just starting a mission school. You should look into that. so they sent me the material I applied but also applied for a school like in Kansas City with uh, Mike Bickle. I remember David mm-hmm. Morrison was mm-hmm. connected with him. So, well, the the El Paso people, it was a gal named Vicky Penwell that started the school with Dale Walker. And she actually called me <laughs> and said, we got your application. We're so excited. And uh, we are so excited. We, we want to have you as one of our students. And later oh, cool. I found out that Paul, husband Paul, was praying for all these students that were applying for the school, and I was one of them. So, <laughs> like, so, so I thought, well, I heard from them, so I'm going to do that. So yeah. I applied for that and and came uh, to El Paso in '95 in September.
0: And how old so were you I, at that point? Let's see, 26. And so, just to back up a little bit, were you still connected to the Vineyard Church during your time in Germany, or were you just not really? To I mean, back? they
1: had like. Um, They had like conferences and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think we went back to a couple of the conferences there. But we didn't really have a whole lot of connections with the congregation from the church. It was more like the people that also went to the Anglican churches. It was a a little small group of people, a home fellowship group Mm -hmm. that went to both. And that's, I did go to an outreach or something, like a trip with that vineyard to Germany one time, which I just
0: thought of. (laughs) Very cool.
1: Yeah, but there wasn't a lot of ongoing relationships from congregation members from that church.
0: So growing up in uh, lush green Germany, what was your impression? I knew this
1: question was coming. What was your
0: impression as the plane was coming down to land in El Paso? It was
1: night, which helped.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: (laughs) But yeah, I did see the little, you know how when you fly into El Paso, you'd see the little like desert little scrubs And it looks like it's just all brown and then Mm -hmm. these little dots. And I thought, Did I land on Mars or something?
0: (laughs) You're like, excuse me, I was supposed to go to El Paso.
1: And I remember a guy sitting next to me, because it's it like landed, I think, in either Dallas or Houston Mm. and then El Paso, you know. And the guy next to me was saying, So where are you going? And I said, El Paso. And he says, Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) He said, Just remember, just remember that. Texas is much more than El Paso. Nothing in Texas looks like... (laughs) So that was kind
0: of the warning. Yeah, well, it's funny because I would just talk to someone this week, a friend of mine, who I was telling him, like, people in Texas don't claim El Paso, and El Paso doesn't claim Texas.
1: (laughs) Right, so we're just... uh, But I love it. But you didn't
0: know know that at the time. No, I (laughs) didn't. So it was an
1: adjustment, but I... I really do love the desert now, yeah. and it's got its beauty of its own. I do miss the color green sometimes. So mm-hmm. the rain we've had has been wonderful. Yeah,
0: it's amazing the color green, green. right now. Yeah. yeah. So you, you land in El Paso, and maybe you could describe a little bit about what the missions—it was called a mission school.
1: Yeah. So, so it was a we'll- school of missions, which after the mission school had a two-year program for midwifery. Mm. which i was not all that familiar with honestly when i came here i just was interested in that 3 months of general mission school mm-hmm. right and there was only like 3 or 4 students in the school that were just doing um, the mission school part but most of the people were like young gals in their early 20s who wanted to do the 2 year midwifery school okay and vicky penwell she was um, she had like a ministry in the philippines and she would take them and train midwives mm-hmm. for the third world countries where there's no doctors to help moms to give birth. So that was really the long program, but I just did the three months thing. Mm-hmm. And that's where Paul was a student. And
0: Paul didn't want to become a midwife?
1: <laughs> I'm thinking about it. <laughs> but that's when we first met. Um, so Dale Walker was a speaker. Right. Um David Riefenberg was doing the worship at mm. the school a lot. Ernie Neria, we met him. In fact, he would take like the whole mission school. I think there was like maybe sixteen or seventeen of us to like Chicos Tacos mm. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and I remember, Introduce <laughs> you
0: to El Paso. And I
1: remember I, I literally thought this is a joke. It's like, are you supposed to eat this? Or is this like <laughs>
0: Like, is this real food, or are we just looking like, we looking? if you can't at
1: handle this, are you supposed to go back home? <laughs> you know,
0: it's just like, what? It was a test.
1: <laughs> it was a test. Now, I really stick, thought it was a joke. Stick through it. <laughs>
0: stick through missions.
1: So, yeah, so that was the first time I met Ernie and Linda, and and David and Marsha were speaking at the school. So that's mm. kind of where I was introduced to all, you know, the people we still love today. Yeah, yeah the thing. community. Um, so we were part of the... So so the school ended, Paul and I got engaged during, at the end of the school. I went back to Germany um, for like three months or something. And mm. we Paul came to visit. He met my parents, did the traditional thing, asking the father, mm,
0: right.
1: <laughs> which went well. And then in March of 96, so he, he flies back here in March of 96, um, I come back. On another visa. Okay. And then we just got married um, um, with the Justice of the Peace before my visa ran out.
0: Of course, right.
1: And then um, got married in August to the, the church, like at mm. the vineyard in Trans Mountain Road. So, so that was, yeah. Um, so we never really celebrate the June thing. That was just a formality so that mm-hmm. I could stay, you know, and then we got married. In, and know, so
0: August. when you, because you got married then? Um does that mean you become a citizen? Like how does that no, no, no.
1: Then how does um that work? then I had to apply for green card or first okay. for a work permit, which I got back in the day it was really quick. Like I applied in June instantly after the just right, the of the peace course. wedding and in August. In fact, it was just twenty five years ago. Um a few days ago on August sixteenth. Oh, wow. Okay. I got my green card. Well, so happy, and now the anniversary for <laughs> Thank that. you, and now I'm actually applying for citizenship, so, okay, yeah, so but it's not automatic just through marriage or after a certain number of years. I mean, you could mm-hmm. be a resident alien till you die, mm-hmm. and you just can't vote and serve on a jury, kind
0: but of you're able to stay here legally, you're able yeah. to work, you're yeah. able to i guess you have to I assume you have to pay taxes.
1: Oh yeah, Uncle
0: Sam yeah. will take money from whoever. <laughs> yes,
1: and you know Germany's left me alone because I haven't worked there, but I'm you know still have my German passport and okay and all of that. So, yeah.
0: And so, what what has that um, since being here in El Paso? Have you been able to were you able to keep the mission stuff up? Like, sort of what, uh, what has that looked like? I think like?
1: the first few years they had like a an outreach at the. Um, at the main vineyard, they would call mm-hmm. it King's Table and they would like feed, have like a, a meal put on for the poor in the community mm-hmm. and they would invite them and then hand them like groceries and stuff. And we would go over to Annapur still mm. and um, they would do like um, prenatal screenings for the moms there and cook a meal. So Paul and I would go go to that. in the I think it was mainly the first year after we were married and then that stopped for mm-hmm. some reason. I can't remember why. And then, so we were at the vineyard the first few years of our marriage. Then, or first year, I guess. Because like, so so Ernie, you know, they had a bunch of church plants Mm -hmm. from the vineyard. Ernie planted his church in Chaparral in 95. Then David and Marcia went to the east side in 96.
0: Oh, so that was all, I didn't realize how close all that was together. And then David
1: Riefenberg and his wife started the Crossroads Mm -hmm. in 97. Mm -hmm. And we kind of, from the beginning, felt like, oh, wow, we want to do that. Because it was, I don't know if you're familiar with the story, like it was a, a grant from the state of Texas given to somebody with a vision that wants to do something for youth in one of the highest crime rates in Texas, zip codes. Oh, which I is, didn't, I wasn't aware yeah, of that. 79924. And, you know, there's like, what's that place called the Devil's Triangle between mm-hmm. Hondo Pass and um, mm-hmm. Dyer, Dyer. Uh, Hondo Pass and Hercules, which is now called the Angels Triangle, but, right. <laughs> but Crossroads was right there on Hondo Pass, and they started a um, a coffee house. Boot uh, talked about mm-hmm. it a little bit. It was like Friday. I think Jacob
0: and, did too a little bit. Yeah, yeah, Friday and
1: Saturday nights they would invite kids and have bands, and and they didn't preach to them. I think they weren't allowed to actually, maybe from the. From the grand thing. It was not a oh, religious thing. Oh, because it thing. was through
0: the state. Yeah. yeah so it was sense. just
1: a safe place for, and it was packed like 200 people every Friday, Saturday night. And kind of like what Boot was saying like the Christian parents were worried about sending their kids because yeah. it was a bad influence. <laughs> so, so, but Paul and I eventually, I think sometime in the first half year of it, its existence, we transferred from Vineyard. Northeast at the time to and crossroads. that was Dale
0: Walker's. Yeah, church. I think
1: I don't know if Steve Alvarez had taken over by then. I, would, I think it was still Dale Walker at the okay. time. Okay, so we went with um, David and Carlin, and you know Donnie and Donnie Canoy was mm-hmm. there, and I think Tommy and Tammy Tinojero. And so there was like all, oh. and then we um, we kind of Paul became like an associate pastor there and stuff. Okay, so anyway, it started as a youth outreach place but then they started a sunday night service there and that's where we all went and we thought it was the coolest thing it was like loud music and kind <laughs> <It was,
0: laughs> of you know? it was once again you found your people
1: yeah i found my and i remember the first time i went it was like the music started i just started crying i thought oh, i feel really? home. this is this is the best thing ever you know
0: how long had you been in el paso at that point
1: uh about so our, our wedding would have been about a year before then okay so like within the first year. So we poured ourselves into the the crossword thing it was before we had kids, you know, the mm-hmm. years before right. we had kids. So we would do all the Friday nights, Saturday nights, and um, you know, Paul sometimes would like preach at the Sunday service mm-hmm. thing. And we were just all full in, you know, doing all the stuff you do in church. And and we liked that it was kind of um not churchy, mm-hmm. non- you know Religious I've always been drawn To that kind yeah. of The organic Kind of It
0: thing. wasn't the uh, Traditional Right Format of And
1: a lot of the Kids from the Friday Saturday night Would bleed over And come to the Church service And okay. I guess You know Shane and Annie Was a couple of those kids That oh, we met at okay. the Oh okay yeah 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 At
0: the I've never uh, met Annie But I know yeah. I know Shane
1: Yeah so They're probably Only two that I can think That <laughs> left <laughs> But we're still in touch with quite a few of them, and they're different walks of life, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, but so that was like really cool. I mean, it was the right thing for us at the time, you know. We loved it, and um, and then the kids came along, and then the the grant actually from the state of Texas was, I think, three years. Okay. That ran out, and then um, they st- kind of stopped doing the the. Um, youth ministry or it fizzled out eventually Mm. for lack of funds but they focused just all the way on the church and i think they moved the sunday night to sunday morning something magically happened (laughs) (laughs) it just became more churchy you know like more Ah, more so now we need to find out what you know do we do two services do we do you know and so the kids were little it was a hard time for me because you know, when you have little kids and you tr- you're in church leadership, there's, like, compromises being made either on the care of the children or, you know, I just always mm-hmm. felt a little torn. Like, I felt sometimes, you know, it would be easier if you just stay at home because you try to, even though it was a very welcoming for kids and kids were running around, nobody cared, but you still try to keep your kid quiet, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was right. always stressful, I felt, on on me as a mom, particularly to keep them under control, I didn't really listen to what was going on because we was so busy chasing kids right? around. Yeah, right. So sometimes there was like a little bit of a resentment, like we need to figure out how to
0: do church better with
1: young families, you know? It's like,
0: <laughs> and do you think that's a common thing that mothers feel in church? Or do you feel like you were being hard on yourself?
1: No, I think that's, you know, honestly, I watched people just, take the kids along like, and I'm not saying this to judge anybody, but it right. was like people on stage with the kids in a backpack on the worship team, you know? So that may work for a while and it may be totally fine for people, but I felt like I couldn't do that. I felt that like wasn't I would have felt like I'm focusing on the kid, not crying. And I can't really mm-hmm. like s- sing on the worship team. So, <laughs> you know what right, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt like to me, it personally it felt like what are we doing you know mm. like can we not just do one well instead of doing both you know I don't know that was just I really, don't know that's yeah. why I'm asking yeah. yeah I don't I
0: don't <laughs> that's not really, having kids and you yeah know, not, I,
1: that was a really hard time for me when the kids were little and yeah. then it kind of kept going as they were like now in preschool and um, elementary school, where they were starting to do like um, soccer, mm-hmm. and then there was church meetings. And at one point, we found ourselves. This was probably around two thousand six seven. Now, we found ourselves um, every day of the week. We were doing either a church meeting or a kids sports meeting and there was not a one day in the week that we were at home just as a family and it started to really kind of grind on us you know it's like yeah. this is busy what are we doing just kind of keeping
0: going from one place to the other yeah non-stop. and just stop
1: just and then what are we doing all these meetings for I mean that's probably honestly the the beginning of, of our you know deconstruction is such a buzzword now but of, of us rethinking things like mm-hmm. questioning things it's like is this how church is supposed to be? And it's nothing against the church you know Crossroads at the time it was just it would have been the same thing anywhere Any probably church, right. I would have felt that way It's just you know? how your
0: life had become structured Yeah
1: right. and it was more so than I wanted to it felt like sometimes we just kept the kids up late and dragged them to a meeting we didn't interact with them we stuck them in a kids program where somebody entertained them so that we could do our mm, planning meeting right. and then we pick them up put them to bed and we didn't talk to them <laughs> you yeah. know? so it felt like like a little bit to me like we were like sacrificing those precious years of the kids being small but being so busy at church
0: you know and and so how did it, it seems as though you've gotten away from that somewhat so how what was the shift
1: well so for like you, so we were still at crossroads at like 2008 and something shifted for me. Even like faith, like my own personal, like what do I really believe? And I had just turned forty, and that's kind mm. of also a pivotal thing. You kind of take stock, and I, I felt like liberated. I can do now what I want to do. I don't have to give. Mm. You know? It's like I don't don't have to please anybody right. anymore. You know, it's like whatever I feel like. You know, so I, I was. I felt like liberated to ask questions. You know, okay. like ask those tough question like yeah. what what do we do church for like mm-hmm. do we do outreaches so we get church memberships so we can pay the bills so we yeah. have a big building it's like what, what
0: why? which a lot of time that's what it's about right
1: yeah so and then it, it was like more complicated sometimes like so why do we have to preach to people when we give them food. I mean, I was like starting to ask, Mm. like, can we just minister to people? And actually like the whole friendship evangelist, and that's what Crossroads was really big at. Like, just give a soda to somebody in the driveway, pay for somebody ahead of you at McDonald's, Mm -hmm. just bless them, no strings attached. And that was like really cool. Yeah. But then, uh, you know, we had like a food ministry and stuff. Well, none of these people actually translate to the church. Um and then questions were asked, well, do we need to keep doing it? Is it worth keep doing it if none of them become church members? And I was like, yes, heck yes. It's, it's It's still valuable. It's It's no strings attached. Yeah. It's,
0: it's nourishing people. Yes. But so,
1: and just asking questions, like, why do we evangelize? Why do we, what's the motive, the Mm -hmm. real motive behind it? You know, so. Which I think are
0: important questions.
1: Right. And so just around that time, I've always been really big into like Christian music and music and stuff. And I stumbled upon a band. Um, like I would turn the radio on and thought this is doing nothing for me anymore. Mm-hmm. Like what, what's happening? So it was like the stuff was stirring and it's like it's all stale. I can't stand it anymore and mm-hmm. turn the radio off. And there was one, a couple of songs that really were alive and fresh. And I thought who are these guys? So I found it was a certain band. It was called the News Boys. I don't know if you heard of them. I'm, I'm not familiar. And so, no. and so, and I told told the boys, and they were like seven and five. So if these guys ever come to El Paso, I'll go to a concert. So the next day in the radio, they said, they're coming to El Paso. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, we're going, you
0: know. So that's, that's we inc- went, that's and amazing. they're
1: from Australia, and it's a very different music. And what was the name
0: of the band again? News Boys. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, um, so they were doing and it like all quirky music it wasn't preachy it was just Mm -hmm. fun Mm -hmm. you know I don't know if if you've heard of like Veggie Tales yeah of course and so they they've done a few songs for um, for Veggie Tales so just quirky fun oh
0: interesting
1: um but not preachy. I felt like... Easy to sing along with. Yeah. And then poking some um, questions uh, to people to make them think and stuff. And then, you know, there was actually one member of the band that I read about on the internet. He had another band. So I checked their stuff out. Really connected with that music. Mm. And that that band, it was even like more so like lyrically in their songs, they were like poking on things like that. Mm. He says, well, why... Why do we call things a mission trip? Isn't everybody on a mission trip? You know, they just make these right. little statements. Like, yes, this is it. You know, like I would like, I don't know what, what I believe anymore, but I totally can get what these guys are saying. So,
0: yeah.
1: and actually connected with the bass player from that band. We invited him to do like a couple of events in El Paso. He's now a speaker who's coaching music teams and stuff and ended up um, doing some of his social media and things. So there was like a relationship forming. But right, yeah. It was like... I could totally get what he and the lead singer of that band even, like, posted on social media. They would mm-hmm. always, like, you know, why do we pay for worship concerts and stuff? You know, like, they would, yeah. like, raise these questions and tons of people would come. And they would just put things out to make people think about mm-hmm. Christian culture and particularly and America. And said this was around
0: 2008, 2009? Yeah, 2008,
1: 2009. So... So that got me rethinking a lot. Like I thought, yeah, there is something really amiss in the way we do things and the way we. And so in the meantime, Paul had started talking to David Morrison on the Internet, on Facebook, and he would start coming out here sometimes. And even though all this stuff was stirring in me, I was like. I don't really want a big change. This <laughs> is scary, yeah, right, you know? Right, right, yeah. So and then Paul was getting very excited when he talked to David, and some of the stuff that he said, I wasn't so sure about, you know.
0: So it you were you you had already invested what about 10 years or so into crossroads yeah, at that yeah, point? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Eleven
1: years. So the kids were happy. There was mm-hmm. a kids' church. So I was kind of it was scary to me to leave it all behind, you know. Yeah.
0: Ch- but, change of any kind is is right. scary, especially if you've invested so much into
1: Exactly, yeah. Something. And there was one aspect of, like, right around that time, we were actually looking into church planting another church out of Crossroads. Mm. Because Donnie and Lorian were planting a church Mm -hmm. on the... So we were thinking about it. And then got, like, the materials of all the stuff you have to do. And that was another one of those milestone eye-openers of, like... Uh, the questions they were asking. So we realized the vineyard has changed like as far as oh.
0: not being as okay.
1: They're very, because the founder passed away 10 years prior to that and other people took mm-hmm. took over and it became a lot more structured, you know? Right. And like one of the questions, was, how many people have you led to the Lord in the last month and stuff? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't even tell my entire life, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and are you planning to multiply your small group by this time next year and I'm like I don't know what God's doing so it was like all the questions they asked I was like rebelling against mm-hmm. I, I yeah, can't
0: you didn't feel authentic and yeah
1: all. I was like I can't follow that and Paul mm-hmm. felt the same way so we we stopped doing that and then shortly after we just made a break from crossroads which was very painful and mm-hmm. because instead of like at first I think we wanted to just step back mm-hmm. and just do less but we realized that that wasn't really an option without being considered like we're like selling out or backsliding or something. Mm. <laughs> so we just felt like we just need to completely leave. This is we're feeling feeling called to like a more like a contemplative approach, you know. And then mm-hmm. David connected with David Morrison. We visited a few times, and then I think in late, like probably around this time in 2009 we okay. started coming out here and went to Ernie's church in the morning for a while and then to Desert Rain at night they were meeting at Oh,
0: because they used to have the evening services. Yeah, yeah. and that
1: was a good in-between because Ernie's church was still kind of church,
0: mm-hmm.
1: church, you know, but they did never ask us once to be involved in kids' church or so it was so refreshing to be just be You could just being, be members. Yeah, without yeah. being asked to do anything, you know, and then eventually we stopped in that and started coming here and been here since 2009 and but paul probably was more comfortable with the big changes than i
0: was Mm -hmm. like you know when and so what was that like for you during that time that transition from Crossroads and earning yeah, Church I had and a, spending time out here.
1: I honestly had a hard time with... Uh, I liked my certitudes. You know, the Bible's always true.
0: Oh, right. Damn it. <laughs> no, <just kidding. laughs> it's like... The black know. and white stuff. Yeah. The, They're so comfortable in The that.
1: certitudes. Like, Jesus' word and this is always true. And if I don't feel like it, then it's because I'm wrong. And mm. the Bible will prove to be true. You know, right. even, uh, you know, the Bible, the word, the world was made in seven days. So it is, we will all yeah. find out at one point that it's, you know, it's like.
0: Science very, will prove the Bible very, right one day. Yes.
1: <laughs> very literal. So when, like I heard David Morrison talk about, you know, there's like interpretations and translations. And sometimes people got things wrong and it really offended me at first. Mm. I was like, no, the Bible is always, you know. Yeah. So, but I was realizing after a while that I, I had like a certitude or confidence it was like a crutch for me i had some needed to have something to hold on to that i wasn't willing to let go Mm. for the sake of the mystery and the unanswered questions and now i feel like i'm deeper into the journey of being okay with the unanswered questions of Mm. not knowing where i stand on some issues even yeah you know it's okay
0: the mystery of but, faith.
1: Uh, yeah, I felt like I, before I felt like I had to, like,
0: mm-hmm. have an
1: answer for everything. If somebody said, what do you believe about what God feels, how God feels about this and that, I felt like I needed to have an answer. Oh. And, like, saying I don't know would have come across as being weak.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or, or even, I always felt like I had to defend God in a way, you know, mm-hmm. like, if I didn't have the answer, then God might be,
0: you know. Well, I think a lot of people have that idea of like needing to uh would you say defend God? Yeah. It's like if God is omnipotent, He doesn't need me to defend right. defend exactly. whatever it is, right? Like if if God is is the the overarching energy of the universe, and
1: yeah,
0: um, you know, I, I can just do my part.
1: Yeah. But I feel like we probably did it was funny like at the beginning of our exit from crossroads let's say we had that australian guy who was the bass player of that band that mm-hmm. i got into he would come and one thing he said is like you want to be a lifelong learner and you always want to be willing to remap your what you feel is true you always want to be willing willing to reevaluate. Mm. um so you never want to Put your foot down and say, this is truth. This is exactly, I know this to be true. But you want to always be willing to, well, you know what? I believe that was true five years ago. Now, I'm not so sure anymore. And if you're yeah. not willing to do that for the rest of your life, you're not a lifelong learner. You need to be willing at any stage in your life to re-evaluate. And that was kind of the beginning of us evaluating everything.
0: <laughs> <You> yeah. <know?
1: laughs> it's like, I mean, honestly, it was uh, 180, and we were in our early 40s at the time. And that's a hard thing to do when you think like you know everything <laughs> or you feel so cert- certain about a lot yeah, of things, right? Yeah, you had,
0: right? you had um, made friends with those certitudes. Right. And now they're, so to speak, sort of dissolving in your hands. Yeah,
1: and there was times when I thought, well, I don't even know what to believe. I mean, I was, I was on shaky ground for a mm-hmm. while. Like Paul was a lot more confident with that i thought so so if you tell me the bible isn't always uh, what i can jump on what can i i mean like mm. then now you can tell me god is a fly and i know if i don't believe the bible anymore you <laughs> no, it's it's not that i don't believe the bible anymore but if if that's questionable then what is mm-hmm. still certain you know uh. so it was it was a hard time for a while to Figure out well, what where do I where do I fit in or what do I believe now?
0: And does it feel like you've sort of made peace? Not, <clears throat> not that you've gained new certitudes, but does it feel like you've made peace with some of that unknowing?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's like, um, and like you know, we've had, uh, you know. Certain people that we like Richard Rohr or Brene mm. Brown and you listen to them and that gave a lot of language yeah. to a new way of thinking, living, you know, like yeah, you know, if uh, I don't even know how to how to say that, but it's it's okay not to know.
0: Mm.
1: You know, in mystery, it's not about actually faith, it's not supposed to be certitude, faith but in its essence is. Mystery and mm-hmm. belief. It's not I know, but it's I believe, you know, and it's like we made it into something that it's not mm-hmm. actually. Well,
0: and I think for me, leaning into that mystery and that unknown strengthens my faith. Yeah. At this point in my life. Yeah. It's not always been like that. <laughs>
1: yeah. And it's not like that I'm less in love with Jesus or less believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. I, I would say I believe in Jesus. It's very real to me, but mm-hmm. I, I don't have the urge to prove it all the time, mm-hmm. you know, to people, and like give an evidence or constantly confess that I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. or you know what I mean. It's more like
0: I'm right there with you.
1: Yeah, you it's know, like I, if they can't see it from the way I live and ask questions about it, I have no business mm-hmm. in telling them be like me because what if they don't want to be like me?
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, if, and, and some people don't want to be right like me as an individual. You know what I mean? Like I don't. Yeah, they see what I do, and I don't in- inspire that uh, to seek a higher power, right? Yeah, but some people do see me, and and there's an inspiration there, and so yeah. it's like reach who I can, I guess.
1: Right, but I think that whole—I uh, don't know if it's called a philosophy, but the whole thing of living in the present moment, mm-hmm. you know, befriending yourself. I mean, that is kind of the ongoing story of my life of mm. coming to a place yeah. of self acceptance and okay god wants to live with me that's good enough you know yeah. if i'm his home then if i just agree with him then that's good i can and then finding that i can be myself and i don't even care about what other people think if i can just be goofy old me or whatever that's that's as good as it gets right as so as you as don't as have to gets you don't have to like think what other people think and stuff and that's all very recent mm. you know mm-hmm. like walking in that but it's all by not caring about what people think you should be doing but just you know what this is this is who we are right now and this is and uh, with all that came like a 180 mm-hmm. with political views you know i mean like we're probably about as different as can be from 15 years ago
0: Well, I think it has more to do not so much with the outer as far as like people worrying about people judging you or stuff. It's more about the inner. Right. You know, just once you get, once you become at peace with who you are, things just shift.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then you are more accepting of your kids. Mm. You know, you don't feel like you're seeing every fault in them because you're not constantly criticizing yourself, you know
0: that's amazing and
1: then and then a big shift was to, to also when you know paul became disabled in 2012 13 and being in that almost like a helpless it's not in my control as far as finances mm. being dependent on like food stamps for a while stuff like that the things we used to despise you know as mm-hmm. a you know when you're like a individualistic conservative you know (laughs) right (laughs) and there's nothing i have a lot of republican friends and they're wonderful people but um you just kind of you kind of look down on like people who who need help or who who can't put themselves pull themselves up by their bootstraps or whatever you call it you know so we were like now we're in this position where we need help and it Mm. was a whole that probably kind of catapulted us into a lot of the the way we live Mm -hmm. our faith now and stuff. It's a, the whole thing of like, we need community. We need other people leaning on other people. You know, it's not about me as an individual, making it, climbing up the ladder to success.
0: Yeah, it is about community. Yeah. So, well, thank you. You feel good? (laughs) Yeah. That was good. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, and thank you for everyone who tuned in to another uh, episode of Road to Desert Rain. Um, thank you for your time, Birgit. Sure. Appreciate you're welcome. you. you uh, The Thanks for having me. And, and <laughs> in fact, the guitars you hear in the background.
1: Oh, yeah, that's, my sons. <laughs> that's
0: your sons, David and Danny West. Thank you for uh, so, uh, allowing us to use that music. Um, if you're interested in learning more about, about Desert Rain and And the community we've just discussed, uh, theruin.com is the place to go and uh, drcrpod.com to listen to other episodes of um, not only Road to Desert Rain, but uh, Dispatches from the Verge, conversations with David Morrison and I. And um, Right around, probably right around the time this episode is released, we'll also be um, releasing um, conversations with uh, David and I, and one other person. So the first one will be um, Jacob Nedia. We we discussed the labyrinth. So uh, look forward to that. If we haven't already released it, uh, we appreciate you. Have a good day.